Thanks for listening to the New Life Church Searcy podcast. If you'd like to get connected to what God is doing at the Searcy campus, you can text the word Searcy to 88000. There you can give online, get connected to a life group, find your place in a serve team, and so much more. You can also find today's message notes in the YouVersion Bible app. Just tap the link in the episode description to follow along during the sermon and save notes directly to your phone. Now prepare your hearts to hear a great word from God today. Man, it is so good to be with you in Searcy. You know, uh, if I haven't had the chance to meet you at the door, my name is Tim Powell and my beautiful wife, Shelly, and I, we have the privilege and the honor of being the campus pastors at our Greenbrier campus. And you know, I felt like I was, I was walking into our campus. I had forgotten, actually until today, that we modeled our campus in Greenbrier after you guys. You did such an amazing job when you built this building. We're like, we just want to model it. So uh, we made a few changes on our children's wing, um, but for the most part, um, it is very similar to right here. Um, let me tell you something, guys. I am honored to be with you this morning. You know, I tell people all the time that we're not just pastors at New Life Church. We're members of New Life Church. We've actually been a part of New Life for 20 years now. Um, The first time we walked through the doors of New Life Church, my wife was pregnant with our youngest son. In fact, I think I have a picture when she was pregnant. No, I'm just kidding. I didn't call it. But I think I do have a picture of our family right here. No, wrong one. Let's back up one more. All right, this is my beautiful wife, Shelly. She's with me today, and that is our youngest son, Cody. Um, He is actually a sophomore at the University of Arkansas in Fayetteville. And this next photograph is our oldest son. Um, That is Carson and our daughter-in-law, Morgan, and then his two daughters, that is Austin and Sloan. Do you see the expression on the oldest's face? The reason that I chose this photograph is that's her personality. But the bad part is, is I'm not helping matters at all. Let me just tell you, being a grandparent is everything that it's cracked up to be. All she, yes, I have some grandparents in the house, right? Man, all she has to do is look at Papa with those big eyes, and I give it to her. Her, her. her dad says, you never let me get away with that. I'm like, you're right, you're still not going to get away with it. But she can have anything she wants from her Papa. Man, it is so good to be with you guys here today. I'm going to tell you what, I love our church. You guys love your church. You know, I walked through the door today. And man, you can just feel the presence of God. God is doing something in our church, guys. And I'm just honored to be a small part of that. You know, we launched the Greenbrier Campus. We were a part of of New Life for 20 years. We started in the old car dealership. Did anyone, has anyone ever been to the original New Life Church in Conway? Yeah, we've got a couple of you. Um, That's where we started. And like many of you, when we walked through the door, we knew we were home. I mean, it was just obvious that God was doing something. And here we are 18 campuses later, and God is still uh, moving mountains. You know, I did not start as a pastor the traditional way that many people did. Um, As a matter of fact, when we started at New Life Church, um, as I said, my wife was pregnant. I was actually in law enforcement. Um, I'd spent about seven and a half years with the state police and five years on the SWAT team for them. And God opened some doors for us in the business world. We ended up um, going into business and had a business in Greenbrier for many years. And, um, but when we launched the Greenbrier campus, we knew that God was calling us to something outside of ourselves. Um, how many of you know about the time you begin to get really comfortable is about the time God shows up and says, hey, I've got different plans? Um, and that's exactly what happened. Um, for two years, all I received was prepare and reposition. I knew when we launched our campus that God was calling us to more. I had no idea that it was going to be a campus pastor. I mean, we've served in just about every role Um, at New Life Church in some capacity over the last 20 years. And me being me, 
I wanted a profit and loss statement. I wanted a two-year, a five-year, a ten-year projection. God, show me what it's going to look like when I say yes to what you're calling me to do. How many of you can agree with that, right? We want to see the future. We want to know what it holds. And all I would receive was prepare and reposition. Prepare and reposition for two years, guys. So finally... I said, okay, God, what does prepare look like? Well, prepare was going back to school. I had every excuse in the world, right? God, I'm too old. I've got a business. I've got people that depend upon me. I've got a family. I've got a kid getting ready to go to college. That's going to be expensive. Prepare and reposition. Okay, God, what does reposition look like? Well, reposition for us look like financially. We ultimately ended up selling our business. We sold our lake house, sold our boats, sold our cars. We completely repositioned ourselves financially, and we got to a place. We said, okay, God. What is it you want us to do now? And it was in that moment of surrender. Now listen, I'm not going to stand up here and tell you I've got it all right because I make more mistakes. I got here the scenic route. Anybody ever taken the scenic route? <laughs> Let me tell you about the scenic route. Scenic route's got a bunch of dead ends and some wrong turns. I've taken plenty of them. But it was in that moment that God began to show us what the next steps were going to be. And I'm going to tell you, we were comfortable we really thought by this point in our life that we would be semi-retired, we'd own a motorhome, and we'd drive around watching our son kick a football somewhere. God had different plans. But I will tell you that as I look back, there's nothing else that I would rather do or no other place I would rather be than right here. God is doing something in New Life Church. If you're thankful for your church and your pastor, would you give God some praise one more time? Pastor Kevin and Robbie are amazing. Um, I get so sick of him talking about y'all. Like, man, really? We give him a hard time telling him he's the best-dressed pastor at New Life Church. I try really hard, but he's always got cooler shirts than I've got every time. But I love that family, and I'm going to tell you what, if you ever had any question of how much they love you, come talk to me. So I'm going to tell you what, they're crazy about you guys. You know, have you ever been around someone that you can just tell that they're called and that they're anointed? Guys, this family is called to be here. And there's no doubt in my mind that they're exactly where they're supposed to be as well. Today, I want to do something a little bit different. I want you to do me a favor. Over about the next 20 minutes or so, um, I started to say the next hour and 30 minutes, but I knew some of you would leave and I was going to be joking, but you guys don't know my sense of humor yet. You'll figure it out. But over the next 20 minutes, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to ask yourself or ask God two questions. I want you to ask God to reveal to you, is there anything, anything that you carry through the doors today that you need to lay at the foot of the cross and turn around and walk out and never to pick it back up again? Is there one thing? How many of you would agree the last couple of years have been a little crazy? Is anybody carrying any baggage that they probably should have let go a long time ago? The second question I want you to ask is this. God, is there at least one thing that you can reveal to me in today's message, in your word, that I can take back and I can implement in my daily walk with you that not only will allow my relationship with you to grow, but will allow me to help grow your kingdom? Would you guys do that with me this morning? Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much for your word. God, I thank you that we don't have to walk through life in complete chaos that you give us a clear plan through your word. So, Father, I'm asking right now, if there was anybody that walked in today, maybe they're carrying a burden that they've carried long enough. Father, it is time for them to lay it at the foot of the cross. Father, I pray that they had the courage to do that. And, God, if there's at least one thing that you have placed in this message, 
that they can take back and implement in their daily walk with you, God. Would you reveal that to them? Father, would you soften the hearts and open the ears of every person in this room this morning? It is in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Today I want to talk about going from chasing success to achieving significance. And I'm going to tell you what, if there's ever a campus that's achieving significance, it's you guys. I had the opportunity to walk through your children's rooms and some of your leaders. Man, you guys are killing it. You're knocking it out of the park. But I tell our people all the time, we can't look at Sunday morning as game time. Too many times we get busy, we have a hectic schedule, we're going, and then we slow down just long enough on Sunday to come in and get a little bread that we hope holds us over through the rest of the week. Can anybody relate to that? Are you guys with me? Now listen, if you go to sleep, I'm just going to come sit down beside you. That's just how we work. Sunday morning has to be halftime. Sunday morning has to be an opportunity where we come together, we make some adjustments, and then we get back in the game. Because I'm going to tell you what, God has got a plan and a purpose and a calling for every person in this room. Every person in this room. God has called you and created you for such a time as this. Do you believe that? And I'm believing today that we can make a few minor adjustments, just a few small adjustments, and get back in the game and make a huge impact in the state of Arkansas for the kingdom of God. Now listen, I get it. You say, well, you know what, Tim? You don't know what my first half looked like. You don't know what I've been through the first half. I don't, but God does. I realize that some of you have taken some hits. Divorce, alcoholism, addiction. I get it. Every person in this room has a story. And every story may have been a test at some point in time, but you can take and turn that test into a testimony. And you can take it back out into the town of Searcy and impact more people than you ever believed imaginable. And I believe today, if we do that, for the next 20 minutes or so, I want you to look at this morning as halftime. Now, very seldom do I tell people to look back because I believe there's a reason our cars, our windshields are bigger than our rearview mirrors, right? But I want you to take just a quick glance in the past. And then I want you to see if there's anything that you need to set down. And then as we move forward, see what it is that God is calling you to. Listen, a lot of times the enemy tries to tell you that the scoreboard, well, it's just too offside. There's too many points against you. The enemy would like to tell you, well, you fouled out. You need to get on the bench. Or better yet, just go to the back room and check out. I believe God is saying, no, you let me worry about the scoreboard and you get back in the game. And I believe that's what he's calling us to this morning. Listen, if I'm being perfectly honest, I spent the majority of my life chasing success. That left me empty. It never filled the void that I had inside. Why? Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with success. But I chased it to the point because God had something prepared for me that I was running from. You're never going to feel that void inside of you until you begin to walk in the calling and the purpose that God has for you. You know, God never called us to be controlled by our wants and our desires or our possessions. Paul explains the importance of controlling our desires and living a fulfilled life in Romans chapter 8, verses 5 through 6. If you've got your Bibles, turn there with me. If not, it'll be on the screen, I believe. It says, Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. Everybody say peace. How many of you could use a little more peace in your life? I think we all could. 
There was a quote that I read from John Maxwell this week I want to share with you. It says, a lot of people who believe, I know a lot of people who believe they are successful because they have everything they want. They've added value to themselves, but I believe significance comes when you add value to others. And you can't have true success without significance. He went on to say that success is indeed a journey. But if you stop at adding value to yourself, you miss the reward of significance. Listen, if you're going to have success in anything, it's going to take time, right? If you're going to have a successful marriage, you're going to have to invest time in your marriage. If you're going to have a successful business, you're going to have to invest time in your business. To be successful in life, period, you're going to have to invest some time. It's not easy. You don't just wake up one morning and say, poof, I'm significant. It doesn't work that way. It takes time. But I'm going to tell you what else it takes. It takes interruption. That's point number one if you're taking notes. Significance requires interruption. We get so busy in life that we don't allow ourselves to be interrupted. I love the example we see in the book of Matthew, chapters four, or chapter 4, verses 18 through 20, where Jesus is calling his first disciples. It says, As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. I love how Jesus begins to speak their language. But have you ever wondered what would happen if their response would have been different? You see, they were successful. But what if their response would have been, well, sir, I appreciate you inviting us to follow you. But could you come back tomorrow or next week? Or will you come back after fishing season is over? We've got some nets to tend to. We're really busy. But they didn't. What did they do? They immediately dropped what they were doing, and they followed him. Jesus took them from success to significance. But the only way we'll ever be able to accomplish that is if we keep Christ in the center of it. You know what? God will always give us an opportunity to have a significant impact on the people around us, in our workplace, in our homes, if we allow him to give us the opportunity. Now listen, this is point number two. Significance follows opportunity. How many of you would agree that not every opportunity is a good one though? Right? I had a friend of mine call me, had a friend, I emphasize, had a friend of mine call me several years back. He said, Tim, I've got the opportunity of a lifetime for you. I was like, okay, let me hear it. He knew that I was a sportsman. He knew that I liked to hunt and was an outdoors person. He said, I've got a hunt in Canada that you get to go on with me. It's not going to cost you anything. All you have to do is pack your bag and get a plane ticket. It's taken care of. I'm like, man, that's amazing. It's not going to cost me? No. He said, it's an opportunity of a lifetime. He said, there's only one catch. I said, what's that? He said, we leave next week. I said, okay, I think I can make that happen. We get on the plane. We fly to Manitoba, Canada. How many of you people have been, ever been to Canada? Why do they say A? Do you all know that? I, that's totally off subject. I have no idea. But anyway, we get there. We get off the plane. It's six below zero. It's cold. We drive for like an hour on dirt roads, and we get, it's still dark, mind you. I haven't seen the sun yet. We get to this cabin. We go in, and this outfitter says, um, you guys need to sit down because you need to prepare yourself mentally. I said, what do you mean, sir? He said, you need to prepare yourself. This is considered one of the most dangerous hunts in the world. I looked at my friend. I said, opportunity of a lifetime? You didn't say anything about this? He went on and he said, 
there's timber wolves, and they're very aggressive in our area. I said, okay. The next morning we got up, still dark. We ride for like an hour, six below zero. This doesn't sound like an opportunity. We get there, and the guy says, okay, just walk that way for about three or 400 yards, you'll find your stand. And I said, man, I don't know north from south. I just got off of a plane. I'm as lost as a goose. Can you just walk me in? He said, oh, no, no. He said, I don't have a gun. I said, what do you need a gun for? He said, there's Timberwolves, and they will eat you. Have a good day. I'll see you at dark. <laughs> I about died. It was terrible. I've had people come to me before and say, you know, Tim, I know God is calling me to something significant, but I just don't have the opportunity where I'm at. I feel like I'm going to have to change where I'm at currently to be able to fulfill the opportunity of significance that God's given me. The question I have for you is this. Is it possible that God is preparing you today for what he has planned for you tomorrow? Is it possible? There was a quote that I read in my devotion this week. It said, David learned to be king of Israel by tending sheep, fighting in the army and by leading misfits. Joseph learned to be prime minister by leading Potiphar's house and managing a prison. Paul learned to be a missionary by being a Pharisee persecuting Christians. Moses learned to lead the children of Israel as a prince in the house of Pharaoh and as a shepherd tending Jethro's sheep. He said, our training grounds rarely resemble the place God is taking us to. What you need to settle in your heart is this. Your experiences today will help you with your future. Take stock of the abilities and skills that you are gaining now, even if you are not currently doing what you would like to do in the future. What are you learning now that will help you succeed anywhere you go? I think we can all take something from that. It may be that you're working for a boss that doesn't have a lot of grace. Maybe God's teaching you to have grace with the people around you. Maybe the conditions that you're currently in are not the conditions that you want to be in. Maybe God's given you an opportunity to be a light in a dark place. It could be that God is preparing you today for what he has for you tomorrow. But I'm going to tell you, point number three is significance comes in service. I heard that you guys, every life group had went through real change. How many of you guys have been through real change on campus? Many of you. If you've been through real change, you've probably heard this before. But there are typically four stages of Christianity that people flow through. Number one was where unbelievers become believers. Number two is where believers become disciples who begin to grow. Number three is where disciples become leaders who find their purpose in life. And number four is where leaders become servants. Now, this goes completely against what the world would teach us, right? I mean, the world teaches us that success looks like you get to a position where you don't do anything anymore. You get to a place where you set up here and you have everyone else do the work. But God didn't call us to that. God called us to be different. We see in Matthew 20, 28, says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. You know, when I think back through Scripture, there are so many illustrations of successful people that ended up achieving significance in their life. And for time's sake, I'm not going to read all the Scripture. I want to encourage you, though, this afternoon... If you've got some free time to sit down where it's quiet, spend a little time in prayer, and I want you to open your Bible up to the book of Nehemiah. You see, Nehemiah 
Very few people are familiar with the biblical figure of Nehemiah. But Nehemiah was a successful person. He was actually a cupbearer to the king, King Artaxerxes. And he was in such a place where he earned favor with the king that allowed him to fulfill the calling that God placed on his life. You see, he was instrumental in rebuilding Jerusalem and the wall around Jerusalem in the 5th century B.C. following the Babylonian exile. We know this from Scripture. And you say, well, why did you choose Nehemiah when you start talking about significance with the amount of people we see through Scripture that achieve so much? The reason that I chose Nehemiah is this. It's the steps that he took to achieve significance. You see, Nehemiah had found out what had happened, and God broke his heart for the people of Jerusalem. He had family there. It broke his heart. But a lot of times what happens is when we feel like God begins to call us to something, we stop what we're doing, and we run and do it. We don't spend a lot of time getting God's direction in what we're supposed to do. But what happened is God broke Nehemiah's heart. But before he did anything, he spent some time in prayer. He prayed. He fasted. He mourned. But then the next thing that he did is so important. Nehemiah honored where he was. You see, he didn't just run to the king and walk in and drop a two weeks notice on his desk. He honored his king and he waited to the right moment. The king saw the hurt and the pain on his heart because God had broken his heart. He actually asked him what the sadness was. Nehemiah revealed to him what it was that God had placed on his heart. And he asked his permission to leave and go rebuild this area. But he had earned favor because he had done such an amazing job with his secular job. He honored the king in such a way that he didn't only grant him permission to go and fulfill this calling that God had placed on his life. He gave him letters to purchase timber, to rebuild the gates. But the next step is important as well. You see, he didn't just run off. When he got there, the first thing he did is he surveyed the damage. He surveyed the wall. I'm going to ask you guys to do me a favor. I want you to just look around this room for just a second. I want you to survey this room really quick. And I want you to think of one person that you haven't seen in the last two years since COVID. We've all got those, don't we? I want you to do me a favor. When you leave here today, I just want you to send them a text message and just check on them. Just see how they're doing. You know what? We saw the spirit of offense and the spirit of deception running rampant through the big C church through COVID. We know that. Just check on them. See how they are. See how they're doing. It's what Nehemiah did. He knew what was laying ahead. He knew the ruins. He knew the damage that had happened. But he surveyed the damage. And then what did he do? What was his next step? His next step is he brought people around him. Successful people, mind you. He didn't just go look for a bunch of carpenters. He found people that were faithful. We miss this sometimes in church and as a matter of fact in the business world and in our lives. We start looking for people that have all the ability. Instead, we need to be looking for people that are faithful. God says, you find faithful people, I'll give them the ability. You ever heard God doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called? He says, I'll give them the ability. Nehemiah just found faithful people to come along beside him that had a similar vision in a heart. That's the thing that I love about New Life Church. You can go to 18 different campuses and they'll look different. They may be a different foyer. It may be a different sanctuary. The chairs may look different. I'm speaking in Saline County in about a month and they've got pews. I haven't sat in a pew in years. It may look different, 
But the thing that I love is the heart of this church. God, listen, we have never claimed as a church to be the best church. Never. We're a church doing the best job that we possibly can to reach the communities that we're planted in, to disciple our people, to love on hurting people. We need to be a hospital. The church is not this building. It's not the name on the front of it. The church is you guys. God has prepared you for such a time as this. There are people right now that are sitting on their couch at home hurting. They just went through a divorce. They're dealing with the addiction. You remember we, me talking about the first half? We, take, we took some hits. There's some people that are walking through some hits right now today. You never know what kind of significant impact one phone call or one text message could make to somebody. It's unbelievable. People just want to know that they're cared about, that you care about them. We've got a family in our church right now that they started coming about three months ago, and I'm not going to go into too much detail. But I remember them walking in the first time. They, they really didn't want to make eye contact with anyone. You could tell, you know, they'd had that, that parking lot adjustment, you know. How many of you have ever had an argument in the parking lot right before you come into church? Don't raise your hand. I, I was just, that was, I set you up. See, you almost took the bait. They walked in, and our greeters greeted them at the door and brought them in, and we checked their kids in. I noticed them come back the next weekend, and the, their attitude was a little bit different. The next weekend, they're back. Well, the next weekend, we had a Connect class, and they're sitting in our living room on our couch for the second part of our Connect. And He looked at us, and he said, You know what? Nobody has ever ever explained to me the difference between religion and relationship. He said, this is the first place I've ever been where someone remembered my name. He said, then you loved on my kid. He said, I don't know what this whole personal relationship with Christ is all about, but I'm going to keep coming until I figure it out. He said, I'm not a believer, but I'm becoming one. You never know what kind of significant impact you're having when you say hello to somebody in the parking lot, when you open the door. How many of you have ever served in our children's ministries back there in the hall? So many of you. You have no idea the impact that you're having on the next generation. Listen, the world's doing the best job that they possibly can to teach our kids the ways of the world. It's our job to teach them the ways of the word. That's what God's called us to. When Nehemiah found people that were faithful, they went to work. They went to work. But I'm going to tell you what, anytime you begin to do something that makes a significant impact on eternity, you're going to face resistance. That's point number four. Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 10 says, When Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite official heard about this, they were, catch this, guys, they were very much disturbed that someone had come to promote the welfare of the Israelites. How dare them? Anytime you begin to make a significant impact on eternity, you're going to face some resistance. It's going to happen. It's going to happen anytime. Listen, if you're not facing some resistance, my question would be is what kind of impact are you having on eternity? God never called us just to build our kingdom. 
God didn't call us just to come in on Sunday morning and be discipled. No, he called us on Sunday morning to come in and to be discipled so that we can then go out and disciple others. Are you guys with me? God's got a plan and a purpose for each and every one of us. And it's probably not being a pastor. I don't know. Maybe it is. Maybe it's just starting a prayer group at your workplace. Maybe it's just starting a tradition at the dinner table. You know, we've raised two boys now. And it's a miracle we didn't mess them up big time. But if you ask both of our boys, what's one, what's one thing that really had an impact on them through their life. You know what they say? Dinner at the table. We never let our kids eat in the living room. That was the one time that I had a, I had a place that I could keep them still for about 20 minutes because they like to eat. You got two boys, especially when they're teenagers, they're about to eat me out of house and home. But I had a captive audience for about 20 minutes. We would talk about their day Today, here they are, a sophomore in college and one married with two kids raising a family of his own, and they'll tell you, out of everything, it was that, those dinners at the dinner table. But when you try to start doing that, you're going to face some resistance. Anything you begin to do that is going to have an impact or the trajectory of someone's life, especially if it's coming to know Christ, you're going to face some resistance. I'll tell you this, you guys are making a difference in this city. It's huge. But I want to say this, and I'll wrap this message up. The enemy would like to tell you that what you're doing doesn't matter. Serving on a Sunday doesn't matter. Holding the door, it really doesn't matter. It's really not important. A cup of coffee, does it really matter? holding a kid, does it really matter? Let me tell you, it absolutely matters. It absolutely matters. You see, church, we're called to be different. We want to be a church that has shocking love and unmovable convictions. That needs to be our anthem as we move forward. Pastor Rick has been my pastor for 20 years now. 19 years ago, he spoke a message that, if I'm being honest, is probably part of the reason that I'm where I am today. You see, each one of us, we have a born-on date, and we have an expiration date. Every person in this room, born-on and expiration. But what really matters that dash in between. What we do with that dash in between is entirely up to you and I. We have the opportunity to change that dash. Regardless of what your first half may have looked like, regardless of the hits that you may have taken, regardless of what your past looks like, the enemy tries to say, no, your past disqualifies you. You've made too many mistakes. I can't use you. God said, I didn't send my son to die on that cross for you to stay on the bench. God's got a plan for you. Every one of you. And each one of them looks different. 
And I'm believing today that some of you are going to find that significance moving forward. I'm going to ask everyone to please bow your heads. It is an absolute honor to be with you guys today. I love our church. You see, New Life Church isn't just Greenbrier or just Searcy. No. This church goes across the entire state of Arkansas. But I know this. I know God has prepared each one of us for such a time as this. And if you're here this morning and you'd say, you know what? If I'm being perfectly honest, I have. I've allowed my past to convince me that there's no way that I can have a significant impact on anyone, anywhere. This morning, I want to pray for you. You may be here this morning and you'd say, you know what, Tim? You, you start talking about this personal relationship with Christ. I've never made that decision to invite him into my life to forgive me of my sins, or maybe you did many years ago. You see, when we start on this journey of achieving significance, the most important step that we can take is putting Christ at the center and in front. Because without him, there's very little that we can achieve on our own. But with him in the center, it's endless of what you can do. I'm going to ask you for just a second, if you don't mind, no one looking around with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here this morning and you'd say, you know what, I've never made the decision to invite Christ into my life, or maybe I made that decision many years ago, and I've allowed this season to build walls and callous my heart. It took Nehemiah and many people 52 days to rebuild a wall around Jerusalem. For some of you, you may have been building walls in your heart for the last 52 years. God may be saying this morning that it's time to let some of those walls come down. Let me in. If that's you, you've never made the decision to invite Christ into your life, or maybe you did a long time ago and you say, you know what, it's time for me to rededicate my life. If that's you, I just want to give you the opportunity. No one looking around. Would you just slip your hand up so I can pray for you? Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. I see you. Keep it up until I see you. Anyone else? The next question I want to ask you is this. You may have a relationship with the Lord, but you just don't feel like that you're making a significant impact because of the mistakes of your past, or whatever it may be. Can I just pray over you this morning that that is going to change in the name of Jesus? You see, all of heaven rejoices when just one sinner turns from their past and turns to the Lord. We see that in Scripture. Imagine what one step of obedience could mean to one conversation that leads someone to give their life to Christ. You see, each one of us has someone in our life that we have the ability to speak into that no one else may ever have. Maybe it's a relationship, it's a friendship, it's a rapport that you've built throughout your entire life, and they will listen to you. Or maybe they just see a difference in you. They start seeing a difference in your heart and the way that you respond to adversity and the way that you respond when things don't go the way that they're planned. Each one of you. 
if you raised your hand this morning, just pray with me. Say, Father, forgive me of my sins. From this day forward, Lord, I want to follow you. The burdens, the past, the hurt, the hate, the pain, I lay them at the foot of the cross this morning to walk out and never to pick back up again. And Father, for every other person inside this room, God, would you just ignite a fire inside of them that nothing can put out? I just speak against any plan the enemy has to whisper in people's ear and tell them that they're not qualified. Or the mistakes that they've made are just too large. I speak against it in Jesus' name. Father, would you encourage each one of us to allow ourselves to be interrupted no matter what we're doing? Would you allow us, Father, to bring godly relationships around us? Would you allow us to be a church that is authentic with everyone, but, Father, that we find a few that we can be truly transparent with to grow our relationship with you? Father God, would you be with us? God, if there's any bitterness from the past, God, would you let us lay it at your feet? Father, we're going to let you fight that battle. We don't have to. And Father, this morning, we remember how far you had to reach to get us. So God, forgive us of the sins, the ones that we remember, the ones that we've forgotten all about. God, would you bless this church? Would you allow people when they come in to feel like that they're walking into their, their living room? God, would you encourage the hearts of the volunteers that are serving in the children's ministry? Allow them to begin to operate out of the overflow of your presence, not on empty. God, would you bless the greeter team, the coffee team, the production team, the worship team? God, would you bless this church? And Father, would you wrap your arms around Pastor Kevin and Robbie? It's been a difficult season to be a pastor, but Father, they have been faithful. God, would you be with them? God, we love you. And we thank you for this opportunity you've given us this morning to come together and worship you. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Can we give God some praise this morning? I'm going to say it one more time. It's an absolute honor to be with you guys. We're going to go back into worship. Um, and I'm sure many of you are aware, but there are prayer cards at the back. Listen, we take prayer serious. If there's something that you need prayed for, go to the back. Fill out one of those cards. You know what to do with it. If not, some of the leaders and pastors here can give you some direction with that. But let's stand together and worship one more time.